Welcome to Treasury Talk in Your Small Business, a podcast for small business owners hosted by Michigan State Treasurer Rachel Eubanks. Our trending topics with subject matter experts will include cybersecurity, tax prep, continuous improvement, economic impacts, and inclusion and diversity. Listen for takeaways that will support you and your company. Hello to our listeners. I'm Rachel Eubanks, and this is Treasury Talk. Our guest today is Allison Hayden. Allison is the director of the Bureau of State and Authority Finance, which manages the various bonding and debt programs overseen by the Michigan Department of Treasury. Her area is also responsible for managing the relationships with the credit rating agencies. Welcome, Allison. Thank you, Treasurer, for having me. Oh, absolutely. So I like to always think about this topic by backing up a little bit, and it's kind of a nice tie-in to why I'm so honored to be leading this department. But, you know, my mom used to work here back in the late 80s to early 90s, and she hired in to be the director of the Michigan Municipal Bond Authority, which now, of course, is part of the Michigan Finance Authority, which rolls up to you. And when she was hired, um, and she was hired under uh, Treasurer Bob Bowman, she said, oh, you know, great, I would love to take the job when they offered it to her. But she said, is it a problem? I don't know what a bond is. And so I think a lot of people are in that boat where they, where they don't know what a bond is. So can you explain what government bonding or public finance is and why it is needed for the state of Michigan? Sure, no, and that's a perfect lead-in because I think for many, you know, bonding seems like an unfamiliar topic. But I think there's something that majority of us do have in our own personal finances that's very relatable to um, a bond. And that's, you know, your home mortgage, for instance. Um, so similar to a home mortgage, it's just an ability to receive funding upfront for a large uh, investment, if you will, a large purchase, um, a large capital project, and then being able to pay that off over time as revenues come in. So again, it's no different than um, most Americans, I would say, have you know their their wages and salaries that come in over time and can't necessarily cough up hundreds of thousands of dollars to pay for a home. Um, so this allows for an ability for them to to pay it off over time as as they have their income. Uh, it's no different for the state. Um, there's these large scale projects that require, um, you know, hundreds of millions or even billions of investments up front, and the state's revenue comes in over time. You have property taxes, you have income taxes, and the like, um, and this allows for uh, the investment to be paid off over time as those revenues come in. And a lot of times, it's it's while you're actually using the asset that you're, um, you know, you're investing in up front with the bond what the money that comes off of the bond um, for investment. Yeah, I think that's a great way to explain it. And I love thinking about this from a really, you know, personal perspective or personal finance perspective, because I like to think that municipal bonds really touch everybody from the second they wake up in the morning. So you wake up in the morning, you flip the light switch, your electricity comes on. Maybe that's electricity coming from a municipal leaf uh, financed utility. And then you go turn your shower on, same thing. Maybe that, you know, the way the water got to you is financed through municipal bonds. The road you drive on, the school you take your kids to, you know, et cetera. It really touches so many aspects of our day-to-day life and we don't even think about it. So, I mean, on that note, can you discuss some recent or noteworthy projects in Michigan that were made possible through bonding and the positive outcomes they've had for the state and its citizens? Sure. Um, the first one that that comes to mind, I know you're very familiar with this as well, uh, Treasurer, but it's a faci- facility of rare isotope beams. So it's a project um, on MSU's campus. Uh, we call it the FRIMP for shorthand. 
Um, and it was actually uh, bonded for in 2014, and there was various uh, funding that came to play here. It was um, over $700 million project. There was some state sources, which, you know, we were able to provide um, our funding to support this project through the issuance of, of bonds. Um, and then also there was uh, federal dollars that came into play along with, you know, the university's investments as well. Um, and this is is certainly out of my my wheelhouse of exactly the day-to-day you know, scientific discoveries that happen within this facility. Um, but it's quite amazing to think about um, this discovery of, you know, new rare isotopes that's happening within this this facility and all that that does bring to the state of Michigan and the mid-Michigan area as it relates to employment. Um, obviously, these are researchy, research-type jobs, high-salary jobs that are coming um, into the state even during the construction phase. So this project um, wasn't constructed until 2022 fully operational. And even during that construction phase of years, um, there was over 2,000 workers that contributed to the frig construction. So right there, um, those are, you know, income taxes that are coming into the state of Michigan throughout that process. Um, and then again, uh, just the, the wages coming from these uh, research and development type jobs, jobs in the future. Um, early estimates, you know, somewhere between, you know, probably uh, $4.5 billion in economic activities, what's estimated off this project, um, you know, $1 to $2 billion in additional wages, probably a consistent, you know, north of 1,000 jobs that this will have um, year over year within this facility. Um, so it's, it's very uh, unique and it's, it's very cool to see, um, you know, this project take place and all the fields of study that it does touch because it's medicine, it's biochemistry. Uh, material science, horticultural, and and more. Right. No, that was is an interesting one. And to think about, you're just, all are doing is splitting electrons, whatever mm-hmm. that means. So, and somehow creating new isotopes. Um, what about, you know, the Rebuilding Michigan plan? I know you've been spending a lot of time working with the Department of Transportation on that. Yeah. So that's another big one. I think we all uh, can see the impacts in our day-to-day commute with all the, the cones and orange cones around and some of the slowdowns. But I think um, this was a unique program in that, again, as we talk about why bonding is necessary, um, it's to make these large investments um, and then be able to pay for them over time. Um, so when you look at roads, you can look at putting a Band-Aid on the road, right, which is patching um, or doing the temporary fix over time, which can be costly, or you can look at a full, complete reconstruction. Obviously, you need more investment up front to do the full, complete reconstruction, but the idea here is that over time you actually save um, because you're not, you're no longer having to do the patching um, and it, it, it withstands over a longer period of time. Um, so bonding allows for that large investment up front and then an ability to then utilize the existing gas tax, registration tax and other revenues that the state receives um, to pay off the debt service or the bonds over time. And right now uh, we have, you know, it's a $3.5 billion project. Um, there's north of $700 million that's still to be bonded for. But I think we all see the money um, very much at work out in the streets. Definitely. I think you and I were both with the governor when we heard her describe it as, I think our new Michigan state flower is the orange barrel. Mm-hmm. So we're going we're gonna to go with that and say that that's a positive thing for, for Michigan. Um, and then what about Heritage Hall? I mean, you know, I know that's, it was exciting to kind of set up a visitor center, but I don't know that very many people know where the money came from for that. Right. So we have called the State Building Authority, um, which allows for the state's capital outlay program, which is what this this project came off of. So there was $40 million that was put into this project 
um, and approved through the state's capital outlay program. And then um, the state building authority then was able to bond and, and generate that investment up front. Um, and it's a new 40,000 square foot facility. Um, again, multi-purpose. I mean, I think for potentially events and otherwise, but obviously I think we all see the school buses that are out there um, having visitors and students have a place to to see the history there that is at the Capitol. Um, and I think what's really unique is the ability for the construction to fit in with the building, right? Anytime you think of new construction, you worry about it matching up with the historical building. But I think um, it's it's amazing to see those dollars at work and kind of still capturing that historical feel that is that is the Capitol. Yeah, no, absolutely. And now those school buses don't have to be parked, you know, on Capitol Avenue, which I think is a safety feature, too. So it's nice to see that. And I know it's so when you think about finance, you always think about just numbers on a spreadsheet. And it's so much more than that. I know it's exciting to get out and actually see some of the projects that you've worked on. And uh, it sounds like recently you toured a facility at Oakland University called South Foundation Hall that was financed through the State Building Authority in the Capital Outlay Program. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so the State Building Authority, along with more state facilities, also does higher education investment. Um, and a lot of times uh, the higher ed institutions themselves provide for some capital from their own uh, finances, and then the State Building Authority contributes uh, a portion of it as well. Um, but we were able to tour that South Foundation Hall improvement, um, and it was just amazing to see kind of the groundwork being laid for the renovations they were working on within that facility. Um, and I think, you know, it gets into something we'll probably talk about a little later, but when you think about the continued need for investment in infrastructure, um, the needs when that facility was originally constructed are certainly not the needs of students today. Um, so they were working on, uh, you know, providing certainly more light to the facility, more energy efficiency, um, and then also more collaborative spaces, more technology, um, things that would really be beneficial for students. Um, and then what I what I also found was interesting as well is, you know, obviously after the unfortunate tragedy that we all saw at MSU, uh, they had to pivot their design. Uh, they had all this glass with, you know, the intent to bring in light and provide for that productive uh, environment for students. But then they actually had to revisit their design and say, how do we make this glass safe? Um, and they actually had to put some some more sturdy glass in and really think about the safety of students and put, you know, buttons in each classroom so that there was an ability to alert and and what would that look like? So it's really interesting to walk through and see, one, why do we need to continue to invest in this infrastructure? And two, um, all the things that happen behind the scenes that, as you said, are not the numbers on the spreadsheet that sometimes we look at. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the last kind of thing to dig into is, I mean, speaking of water and water quality, that's important to so many Michiganders and they may not realize you know, that there's actually state dollars and state bonding that supports a lot of those local infrastructure projects. And can you talk a little bit about the state revolving fund? Sure. So through the Michigan Finance Authority, we do have, as you mentioned, the state revolving fund. Um, so this fund allows for us to provide um, loans to municipalities around the state of Michigan uh, for those infrastructure investments. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we're looking at ways to provide them with low cost or subsidized loans. What I mean by that is, you know, providing them with some forgiveness on their loan to help them from an affordability perspective so that they're able to uh, repay. As we all know, there's there's different incomes across the state and there's different uh, revenue generating capacity that these water and sewer systems um, do have. Um, so at times that can be limited. And I think, you know, we, we work really hard to try to, along with Eagle um, within the state, to try to um, facilitate connecting those dots for them, providing them with the low-cost financing for these really critical um, water and sewer projects. 
Yeah, absolutely. So shifting gears a little bit and thinking about, you know, how we actually go to the market and how the interest rates that we pay are determined. And a big piece of that is obviously state credit ratings. And we know that that plays a critical role in government bonding. So uh, we've I know we've got, you know, one of our highest credit ratings that we've had. And a lot of that is thanks to your hard work, Allison. Um, but how do we do this? How do we maintain a favorable, favorable credit rating? And what impact does it have on the state's ability to secure bonds at favorable interest rates? Yeah, sure. And and to kind of step back and how we started this conversation, um, it's very similar to what people do within their personal finances. I think everyone's familiar with what a credit score is. Anytime you need to get a mortgage or get a car loan or otherwise, um, they're tracking your credit score. It's very similar for the state of Michigan when we go out and ask investors to um, provide us with funding that will repay over time. Um, so it gives investors an insight on the credit quality of the state and the ability to repay the debt over time. Um, naturally, the higher the credit quality, then the lower the interest rate that you receive. So it, it reduces the cost of repaying that debt over time um, if we can maintain a high credit quality or high credit score um, for, for those looking at the personal finance side. So they look at a lot of things, them being the credit rating agencies. They look at the economy of the state. They look at financial metrics. They look at the statutory authority to be able to raise revenues in the future or reduce expenditures. Uh, they look at the liability profile of the state. So that's, you know, any debts, any pension or OPEB liabilities. Um, and they look at, you know, sometimes the ultimate revenue source utilized to repay the bonds and what's the consistency of that over time. Um, I think it's really, you know, a testament to the state's hard work over several, several years on some of the strengths that the credit rating agencies now see the state definitely having and the continued investment into the budget stabilization fund, um, which is, you know, the state's rainy day fund, tucking those dollars away for, um, you know, potentially the next economic downturn when we'll need them. Um, and then, you know, just the budget culture and management, um, using one-time revenues for one-time expenditures. Um, spending, you know, within revenue that's brought in, essentially. And then, you know, strategic investments. How do we support, as we talked about, some of the, the FRIB activity that that provided earlier? Um, how do we support some of those economic investments uh, that in turn kind of have these rippling implications uh, for the state and, and the residents of the state um, and liability reduction? Um, so the state does have strong credit ratings. Um, and we most recently were um, upgraded by Fitch last year. Again, just talking about some of this budgetary culture and management and strong governance that the state does have. And I know, I mean, we're it, it's not just a one and done conversation that we have with the rating agencies, right? We're constantly in contact with them. And, you know, I was thinking when we were heading into the pandemic, we could see negative credit rating actions. But I think a lot of just the outreach that we do and have conversations with them and have, you know, say, hey, this is what's going on. I mean, I think it gives them some comfort around the governance that we're paying attention and that you know, I mean, hope the state's finances are in good condition. I mean, you know, how often are you in contact with the rating agencies? Oh, quite frequently. Obviously, naturally, if we're, we're going to issue bonds, it's a natural thing to be um, to be talking to them. But I think anytime um, there's a revenue estimating conference, anytime there's news on the budget front, um, we just continue to have that uh, loop with them to be that source so that you know, we want them to come and ask us questions. When they hear, when they read anything in the news regarding the state, we want to make sure that they um, are coming to us and, and asking for perspective um, in order and what that means for the state's credit strength. Absolutely. So, I mean, a lot of this comes down to we're not just using the state's credit card, you know, whenever we want to, right? I think we make really um, rigorous decisions about how to use those tools 
when we have projects that we want to use. So can you talk a little bit about that responsible debt management portion? Sure. I think we, we've hit on a few of the points, obviously, um, with the continued need for infrastructure updates. But sometimes what that does mean is investing a dollar today will help save dollars in the future. So I think we talked about that a little bit with the roads, um, obviously, you know, looking at where it makes the most sense doing full reconstruction versus some of the patching. Um, we talked a little bit about Oakland University's project and the energy efficiency around uh, what they're doing. And that's no different than, you know, looking some of the investments that are being made on state facilities or uh, when we look at different projects. So um, by having something more energy efficient, then that lowers your operating cost over time. So these are all the things that we look at when investing a dollar today. We look at the long-term implications of that and make sure that um, it's a good, sound decision. And then in addition, um, with the continued need for infrastructure investment, when we're structuring the debt, when we're thinking about how long do we want, do we want to repay this for um, and what does this look like, we're thinking about how long will we use the asset. We want to make sure it makes sense with the use of the asset. We also want to make sure that we're thinking about what will our needs be in the future. Um, we want to make sure there's budgetary capacity to be able to afford the repayment of this debt in the future. And we're being very mindful of that. Well, this was all really interesting, Allison. Thank you for explaining bonds, how they work. You know, my mom would have really appreciated this, I think, back in 1988. Um, and also for explaining how bonding directly impacts all Michiganders and how our state's strong credit rating helps protect us in an economic downturn. And clearly, bonding and credit ratings are tied to growing Michigan's infrastructure and to our state's continued financial health. And I appreciate you bringing a better understanding of these topics to all of our listeners. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Rachel.